The concept of self-awareness has become quite popular in business and for good reason. There is a lot of research out there that is showing us that our ability to recognize and regulate our own emotions while also empathizing with others and being aware of others' emotions is the single biggest predictor of a person's success. But how do we become better at our own self-awareness, specifically at our external self-awareness, which has to do with how others perceive us and are influenced by us? What do we need to know so that we can engage others in a way that they want to execute our best ideas or our mission or our vision, our strategies and our solutions? That's the topic of today's episode. In it, I am going to share what we need to know to be among the successful who get others to engage and use our ideas, our solutions, and carry them out. I'm going to share a tool with you that you can use in all of your interactions in order to improve being heard or getting another person to follow you. Whether your audience is your stakeholder or your client or your child, it's really important that we have the external self-awareness to elevate our interactions, especially with those who matter most. Don't miss your opportunity here for a practical way to do this. I'm confident you're going to enjoy what you learn here. Hello, I'm Rita Hyland, and you're about to discover what it means to position your business, career, and life to play full out. This show explores the way leaders just like you embrace and achieve their ambition without working harder or grinding it out any longer. So if you want to take your life, business, or career to a playing full out status and do so while being the happiest high performer in the room, then hang with me because this show shares everything you need to know using the best of neuroscience, transformational psychology, and a bit of spiritual wisdom to help you change fast, even when it's uncomfortable or scary, or you failed to do so in the past. All this so that you can enjoy more freedom and prosperity in your business and life. I'm happy you're here. Peter Drucker said, leadership in the past was about strength, leadership of the present is about smarts, and the leadership of the future is about managing energy. Now, to know Peter Drucker, he was a management consultant for over 50 years and very productive of management. And this quote is really rings and has proven to ring true. Today's leaders need to be interested in doing more than just bringing forth the best ideas, strategies, or plans. They have to be able to manage the energy of those they lead and serve because that determines whether or not people will follow you. Ultimately, being able to do so determines wholly your success as a leader. I had the opportunity this week to speak with a group of leaders who operate in the center of a large company to build business and business strategy for their stakeholders. And this bright group of leaders, they sit in the middle of the organization, sort of like a SWAT team. They are charged with providing both short and long-term solutions for the organization. But the key is that they come up with these brilliant strategies and oftentimes with their stakeholders, but that they are never the ones to execute the strategies. They have to be able to engage in such a way that will get them to carry out and execute whatever ideas or solutions or strategies have been identified. And 
it got me thinking that they're a lot like all of us. You know, we have these ideas, we have solutions to other people's struggles, whether that's at work or at home. We have expertise, so much expertise and talent within us, whether that be very specific industry based or whether that simply be wisdom from the years. But we have to have a way to be able to engage others before that so that they carry it out. What after many years of my studies and working with leaders is that I've found is that those leaders who are most successful know this one thing, that it is always psychology before strategy. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Years ago, I worked in an organization where I was thrown into the deep end with some clients, difficult clients. I was very young for my age, and a lot of these people didn't have an interest in listening to me as their leader. And what I realized is that for me to be successful, I was first of all going to have to decide and figure out how to sink or swim on my own. But what I realized is that in order for them to be able to move forward with whatever I needed to have done, my mission, my strategy, and what I needed to achieve is that I had to engage their psychology first. I had to think, know about their thoughts, their feelings, their motivations, their fears, their worries, their hopes. And until I was able to empathize with them as well as understand those and actually address those, I was never going to be able to get them to listen to me or to follow me or to even engage instead of retreat. Why this is relevant to us and to you perhaps is that you're an expert. You're an expert in your leadership and your role model in your perhaps in your industry. You have incredible experience and talent. You probably wear a lot of different hats and you need those people with whom you serve to be able to engage instead of retreat as I had to. If you can't influence others to engage and to bring their best and execute hopefully optimally what you need to have achieved, it doesn't matter how fabulous your deliverable or your solution is, right? If you're effective, your stakeholders, be it your child or your client, they'll buy in and they'll execute your vision and they'll follow you. But if you're not effective, your stakeholders, your child, your client, they're going to retreat. They, they won't be held accountable. They won't follow out your vision. It's going to be very difficult to have your vision put in place. Harvard Business Review over the last few decades has come out with some interesting research. And it's shown to us that our ability to recognize and regulate our own emotions while also empathizing with others and being aware of those motions of others is, again, the single biggest predictor of a person's success. And that emotional and social skills are four times more important than skill, talent, and IQ when considering success, specifically in professional settings. What this means is that our ability to truly understand others, their psychology, and use that understanding to engage them determines whether or not we are going to be successful. Our work, this means, goes way beyond our solutions, our productivity, our efficiency, our wisdom. I've seen it play out time and time again that really highly talented individuals who are very smart engineers, business leaders, 
of corporations, PhDs of all kinds, who regardless of their IQ, if they don't have the skills to be aware of and regulate their own emotions and those of others, that they never ever capitalize on the experience or the potential of their success that they're really capable of. Their great ideas never get executed. One of the things that is fundamentally important to understanding the art of engagement, the science of engagement, is to understand how we as humans actually make decisions and which part of our brain actually is the one who is the decision maker. And then allow us to know how to talk to that decision maker. I think it's so important to understand this. I'll keep it very specific, but this is something to hang on to. There are three parts of the brain and only one is the decision maker. And as a change agent, as a leader, as a perhaps parent, you are selling ideas, you're selling change, and you need to be able to talk to the decision maker to get that to agree to engage with you instead of retreat or to act instead of to freeze or to fight. And to do that, you always, again, need to know who to talk to, who is the decision maker. So these three parts of the brain, the first is the neocortex. This is the thinking part of the brain. It asks, what do I think about this? It is not the part that makes decisions. The second part of the brain is the midbrain. It's the limbic brain. Sometimes it's referred to. Its purpose is to process information in this part of the brain. It says, how do I feel? Not the part that decides, not the decision maker. The third part is the primal brain. It is that old brain. It's the oldest part of the brain. It's the amygdala, sometimes referred to as the reptilian brain, over 2 million years old. And its responsibility is to keep us alive. It, it, the primal brain is the decision maker. And if you want to be able to influence relationships, you need to be able to talk to this part of the brain. The characteristics of the primal brain so that you understand and know what it's about, again, it's all about keeping us safe. It dislikes uncertainty and it makes decisions seven seconds before your thinking brain does. What most of us don't know and what is important to know is that our brains at an unconscious level, five times a second, is scanning the environment around and asking itself, is it safe here or is it dangerous? If people are not sure of their situation, they're going to default to reading it as unsafe and they're going to back away or not engage. So can you see how important our emotions are as a major player in every decision we make and in every action we take? The reason why this is so important is because most of us are in the business of selling our ideas or or wanting to add value, but change that we're bringing often feels overwhelming, even if it's really good. Anything is uncertain is uncomfortable at a minimum, and it is dangerous to our primal brain, which is making the decisions. What I'm telling you is the biggest mistake that I see is the absence of the external self-awareness that if you move directly only to the strategy or addressing the deliverable that you need to too quickly without addressing psychology, which are our thoughts, which are the feelings, the beliefs, the motivations of your stakeholder, of your friend, of your client, of your colleague, of your child, there's a good chance that you're going to bypass fully engaging that individual. And then your 
offering, your deliverable, your service, your wisdom, your solutions are meaningless. So I'm going to give you a tool here in just a minute, and it's going to help you be able to address the psychology that you need to address of the person with whom you're speaking so that you can be able to offer whatever it is that you are. Be aware, first of all, that there are four questions that the brain asks in any engagement. The first of these, I put them together in an acronym named SAFE because you need to make people feel safe. I like to think of this, if you go to someone's home and you knock on the door and let's say it's you know your aunt and she has this barking dog, you're there to visit your aunt, maybe even to help her with her financial situation. Who knows? You need to sit down and have a conversation, but this little yappy barking dog is in the way. The first thing that you do is you tend to that dog. You quiet and calm that dog. I'd like you to think of your primal brain and what your job is in every interaction at this point from here on out is to calm that yapping dog. Okay. And the four questions that that little yapping dog needs to have addressed, it needs to be know that it is safe are these. The first S stands for status. Is there a ranking it's asking? Is there a value that I have in this engagement? Are we equal or do we have the same level of importance? Status is something that our primal brain considers a threat. And so what we need to make sure that an individual knows, whoever that is, is that, or the primal brain needs to know, is that Regardless of status, we are of equal value or equal importance here. So prompts or things that can be said are things like, I'd like your to get your suggestion on this. You were helpful in this conversation. I'd like to get your take on this and this one. The point being is, is that you're leveling the playing fields and in whatever way you do it, you're making sure that the other person knows that they are of value in the situation regardless of status. The second thing that the primal brain feels is a threat is the idea and the concept of autonomy. And the primal brain wants to know that it has a choice. Am I being told or do I have an option here? You can say things like, we will have options to discuss along the way. This is not a permanent decision. We're going to be taking inventory and feedback or I will be asking you questions. We will have three and you choices and you will be able to make this one or whatever one is, is up to you. The piece here that's important is that we need to make sure that a person knows that they have options in the game. The third question that the primal brain is asking has to do with friend or foe. Are you on my side? Are you with me or against me? Are we really on the same team? So making sure that you're addressing that question is key to getting that barking dog or that primal brain to even engage with you. It's about addressing, again, the psychology before you move in to just get it done. Things that can be said there is we are here with the collective goal of this. I am grateful we have each other together to work on this. Again, that is language that's inclusive. It's suggesting we're on the same team, that we are friends. The fourth question that the brain is asking 
is what's the future? And the primal brain sees an uncertain future as very threatening. It's going to push all of the buttons. Anytime we're creating change, the buttons are getting are getting hit and it's getting tightened. So what we need to do is to make sure that we are painting a picture of the future of and releasing and reducing any space of uncertainty. Today, we're going to do this. What this is going to look like is this. Your role in this will be. So when you're giving that, you're painting a picture, you are, again, dissipating that fear of the unknown. Once you've incorporated and addressed those four questions, those four places of danger or potential threat that are coming off the top of any primal brain's mind from the get-go, you're able to enter the door. It's like you've got the barking dog to calm down, and now you can walk in and have a better conversation. What happens when you address psychology first, when you take care of addressing these conversations, which whether we like it or not are being asked, whether we're conscious of them or not, or whether we're conscious that another person's having them or not, or whether they're acting like they're asking them or not, just know that they're being asked. These are the questions the brain is asking. Your ability to be aware of addressing another person's fears, worries, concerns, and motivations, that that really is a reflection of whether you are going to be able to engage with them and be able to move the conversation from one of where the primal brain is leading to your prefrontal cortex leading, to your higher wisdom leading and their higher wisdom leading, that their higher performance and solutions and creativity and intelligence will be able to be engaged. But that is your job as an influencer, as a leader, as someone who is wanting to make an impact, who is desirous of being successful. And we all need others to fulfill our mission, to fulfill our visions. We can't do it alone. Just because you're smart, just because we have a great idea, a great service, a great strategy, doesn't mean that it's going to get listened to. If that was true, 92% of all uh, New Year's resolutions wouldn't fall through by February. Just because something's a great idea doesn't mean that it'll be incorporated or accepted or followed through on. That's what I'm saying here. So the skills of truly successful individuals and leaders, both them, their personal lives as well as their professional lives, is their ability to seek to understand their stakeholders' worries, concerns, and fears. It's to be able to then articulate them and say, I hear you. I get you. I can imagine you might think or feel this way. And to be able to address and calm those fears, those concerns, those worries. Because in this world today, there is a lot of feeling of anxiety and threatening situations and danger. Are we have there's 77% of people acknowledge that they on a regular basis are suffering from feelings of anxiety. With that in mind, you are never going to get people's top performance from that. You're never going to get people's full engagement. I was talking to a parent the other day whose child is considering to make a big decision, a life decision to potentially leave school. And one of those things then, you know, obviously that hits all of the parents' buttons about, you know, our fear of leaving college. And 
what we needed to, I continued to do, you know, this, the parent had a lot of ideas and strategies and solutions and things to tell the child. But what I made sure that they became aware of that it's psychology before strategy each and every time. If you go too quickly into bringing your deliverable, your idea, your service, your wisdom into the game, while that child's brain is in primal brain mode, while it, while it is worried and afraid and are you, when you're talking to me as my parent, are you my friend or my foe? Are you on my side? Is this a rank and status type thing? Are you here to, to you know, tell me what I have to do? Are you going to threaten me? Are you bringing options? Can you, uh, you know, help me? Because I can't see the future. We have to be able to have the self-awareness to empathize with the feelings of our stakeholder, our client, our child, so that we can actually even be involved in the game of the strategy or of the solution. Hope that becomes a little bit clear. It's very powerful when you have that wherewithal. And it can be a tactic. It can be a strategy. It can be a tool that is so, so grossly needed. I'm sure you can see it. Once we know that we're always making decisions based upon emotion, when someone is underperforming, when someone is not contributing at their best, when someone is struggling, you can rest assured that they're likely making decisions or having feelings that are being generated from fear and threats, feeling that they're in a dangerous or unsafe situation. And so our best contribution in those moments, and that's almost in every single interaction, is to be able to understand their fears, worries, and concerns, and then to be able to speak or address them, which affirms that, wow, I'm being seen. In essence, you're having the conversation that they're having in their own brain, and that goes a very long way to allowing a person to feel that they are seen and heard, that they are trusted, or that they can trust. So here's the practice. Here are the three questions before every single interaction, or especially in those where you have a feeling that there's any chance that someone might not feel safe. And I just say to lean towards, that's always. That's pretty much always. How do I make sure that I address these right out of the gate? You'll start to be doing this on a very habitual or just intuitive level at some point. But here's where you start before it has become a habit. You ask, what could this person be worried, concerned, or afraid of? The second question, how am I unwittingly contributing to it? And the third question, how do I alleviate their fear? So in the case of the parent who has a child who is considering leaving school, the first question is, what could this student, this child, be worried, concerned, or afraid of? He's worried that he's never going to be able to endure four entire years, that he's not going to be able to measure up, perhaps. Maybe he's exhausted, overdone, and is having self-doubt, or the pressure is too great. How am I unwittingly, as a parent, contributing to their fear? I'm saying they don't have an option. This is going down. You finish what you start. This means a lot to our family. We've given so much for you to be here. All of those types of things make our, our danger warnings or makes this person feel unsafe. And in that space, there's no way that you can move to a strategy or trying to think of solutions. How do I alleviate this fear? I go back through those four questions. You're going to have options. 
Let's make sure that you feel good before you make a decision, that you're not in a stress or you're not afraid before you're making a good decision on what is best for you. I hear you. I would be, freshman year is exhausting. It's overwhelming. You're not alone. You're addressing the future. We don't have to look at all four years. Let's look just right now. Let's be where we are right now and take care of you now. Whatever that is, you have to look at in all situations are different, but it is to make sure that you're really seeing the person, that you're addressing the psychology before strategy every single time. This will separate you in your personal relationships, in your professional success and progress. When you are able to really be interested versus interesting and to be interested specifically in the other person's psychology, their thoughts, their feelings, their worries, their concerns, their motivations, their hopes, their dreams, and you show and express and communicate that you get it, that you see them. And you do that by having the conversation that's already going on in their head. And while you might not know exactly what that conversation is, you can say, I sense. Or if that's just too far of a leap, be curious enough to say, can you tell me more? I want you to tell me what really are you feeling at this point and what's going through your thoughts or what could be having a concern or a worry or fear. You can do that with your colleague. You can do that with your stakeholder. No matter who it is, make sure that you do it. Your interactions with others will amplify, and so too will your success and your happiness and impact levels. The bottom line remains that leadership today is indeed about managing energy, yours and others. And if you really want to unlock your potential and that of others, you must be interested in and curious. Because you and I know you have a gold mine. Those with whom you work with have a gold mine of talent and expertise. And the time is now to get that into the world. But we have to know how the brain makes decisions and who we really need to talk to to move the decision along. Thank you for being who you are, for being a leader in your life and in the lives of those you serve. It's not always easy but it certainly can be one of the most rewarding experiences of our lives when done right. So stay curious and always lead with psychology before strategy each and every time. Again, when you do this, you will see the ease of getting others to build, achieve, to follow, and to embrace and use all of the gifts that you have to offer. I'll see you next time on Playing Full Out. Thank you for being with me today. By you listening to this, it tells me you're interested in growing yourself and likely not just for yourself, but to positively influence others as well. If you enjoyed this podcast, go ahead and share this with your friends and colleagues. When leaders like you grow yourself and then grow others, we all are positively impacted. If you have questions, I'm here to answer them and may even use them in our upcoming podcasts. Go ahead. You can send those questions to Breakthrough at RitaHighland.com. Remember, a half version of you is not enough. The world needs the full version of you at play. I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. 